Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Uh, hi guys, welcome to today's episode of the HMO Experience Bite Size Live. Uh, my name is Jamie Medill, I'm the host of this podcast, but also these daily special Bite Size Live episodes. So we've been running these, myself, Steve Mitchell, my business partner, and great friend, uh, Matt Harris. We've been running these now since the COVID-19 lockdown started. Uh, I promise I'll try not to mention the C word ever again in this episode. Uh, but we've been doing this to share knowledge and experience about how we've been managing our HMO businesses, both our rent-to-rent business, but also the ones that we own. And as you know, uh, over the weeks, we've covered loads of topics. Uh, this is an interactive environment, so we want to have lots of questions coming through. And this week in particular, we've had some amazing guests each day. And today's the different. Uh, I want to introduce you and give a warm welcome to uh, Alex Zapala. Hi, Alex. Good to have you here. Hey, hey, James. Good to be here. Good to be here. Mm-hmm. You too. I'm glad you joined us. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody else, well, maybe a few people know this, but maybe not uh, many people know this. You and I don't live a million miles away, and yet it, feel, it, it might as well be <laughs> 10 hours away at the moment, mightn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, not too far. It's about less than an hour, isn't it? Yeah, not too far. Less than an hour. Yeah. Uh, and again, it feels like it could be a lot longer. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, there we go. We are in strange times. Yeah. Now, Alex, I want to um, give you a quick intro, if I may, and then uh, we can have a chat about this properly. Um, but. Yeah. Um, Alex, you're a great guy. You are incredibly successful uh, HMO investor and operator. Mm-hmm. Um, I've given you the nickname of the, M- the HMO Empire Builder because you really have built a substantial <laughs> portfolio for yourself, your clients. Um, and before I sort of pass you over, in fact, to give, you, give us some more insight into your background and what you did before property yeah uh, in the interest of being fully um transparent mm-hmm. um do you mind if i just share a bit about you and i working together no no, no no yeah go ahead absolutely absolutely cool yeah all right thank you so mm-hmm. just being completely transparent with everybody watching this episode and listening um alex and i are friends uh, we're also business partners so a few years back uh, alex very kindly came to do some hmo training with myself and steve on the back of that, we've uh, we've been helping out a few bits and pieces uh, over a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And when I realised how great Alex was, and also mm-hmm. the success that he was uh, getting in his investment area, and I'll I'll let him share the details of all of that. We started working together, so we've got a couple of businesses together. Not only have we invested together, so we yeah. own HMOs together within our business companies, uh, yeah. but also we have a couple of other. Uh, links. So we have an HMO property sourcing business with Alex, myself, Steve, and Alex's brother, Madda, who does a brilliant job, uh, and of course, our power team up in the West Midlands. But just being completely transparent with people. So, Alex, Mm -hmm. enough of all that stuff. Um, (laughs) Why don't you share with us a bit more about uh, your background pre-property and what got you into property in the first place? Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, um, as Gemma said, I'm, I'm Alex now. Um, my background is actually accounting. So, I'm a, a qualified chartered accountant by profession. So, um, I did that uh, 
training all those years ago. I actually trained with uh, one of the big four companies, uh, Deloitte. Uh, so that was uh, quite interesting. So that's uh, um, my profession by trade. And uh, after qualifying, I uh, went into investment banking. So um, I've been uh, in the finance investment banking space for ooh, since 2010. So uh, that's quite, uh, quite, quite a long time. I started off uh, working with uh, uh, the Royal Bank of Scotland in their investment banking section. And then I moved on to an American bank in Canary Wharf, uh, JP Morgan. So did a bit of investment banking. But uh, over over time and over the last few years, uh, you know, uh, in addition to that, uh, it's when I became curious about uh, property investing. Uh, in particular, the main trigger was that I was actually looking for um, passive income because at the time uh, I was, you know, we started uh, having a family uh, and uh, young children as well. So I thought uh, it would be good to have uh, something of a passive income in case uh, you know, because a lot of things happen and the current situation is actually a classic example of you never yeah. know what actually happens. So having a source of income that is passive was my uh, my main goal. Uh, and uh, uh, having looked at uh, various things that you can do within that space, uh, I thought property was uh, pretty much as good as you can get in terms of uh, passive income and investing. So that's when I started. Uh, I, I actually stumbled upon, um, um, I, I, I guess it's one of those things about mindset. You know, when you're in the zone of looking to do something, you, you stumble upon things which uh, may, may seem to be a bit trivial at the time or, or which someone else can cannot even notice at all. So I was on a train one day and uh, I saw this uh, newspaper advert which uh, talked about, uh, you know, are you interested in, in uh, investing in property? And uh, um, you know, there was uh, uh, a lot of these like uh, three hour training programs which you would go in the evening just to get a, uh, to listen and get a feel of uh, what property investing is and the, the different strategies. So. I went uh, to one of those uh, and there was a lot of information there. Probably a lot of the listeners here would uh, um, would, would know or had a, a feel of one of those. And at the end of that, you get an opportunity to invest in yourself by uh, going to either uh, a one-day uh, training event to, to get more information about the particular field. So that's yeah. what I did. So I started uh, uh, up like that. And um, oh, I, I, what was that, Alex? Do you mind if I just ask? Uh, that oh, was uh, uh, that was uh, in uh, 2012, actually, when okay. I started. Yeah. So not uh, eight years. It's not you know yeah. a massively so, long time. Yeah, not a long know, time. Yeah, but uh, I mean before before that, my sort of light bulb moment was uh, when I was uh, working for RBS and. Uh, uh, that was back in 2008, just uh, around the time of the credit crunch. That be just before in 2017, because uh, at that time, for those some of you who remember, you could get something like a you know, 100% mortgage from employers, so they would even pay for your legal fees. So you literally just had to make the call, and everything was there. You know, those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> you know. And uh, and then uh, we we had to move at that particular time from where we we're living, which is in St Albans, to move to to Essex, so that we could be close out uh, to uh, my wife's uh, parents, so they could help us with the kids. And then uh, when I asked for the um, uh, to to change the the mortgage into uh, you know one which is a buy to let, because we didn't want to sell the property, I noticed that uh, the rent that we could get from the property 
was more than covering the mortgage. So uh, okay. that that was like the light bulb moment that you know okay. get a few of these, you know, you could be onto a winner. So that was uh, how it started, and then investing in my knowledge, and uh, over time, obviously coming to you, uh, Jamie, having uh, you know picked my strategy that I wanted to do. And following essentially what is the natural progression of a, 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 a property investor in terms of buy to let HMOs and then other things. So that's a sort of a brief general cool. no, <laughs> background. Thank you. Tell us what was it about HMOs that when you first got into them, what was it about HMOs that you wanted? Uh, initially, initially, it was uh, about the acceleration of my. Uh, um, uh, you know, property investing because um, I, I actually started off with a buy to let. It was a, a relatively small one uh, back then. Uh, I actually bought it for, there was a lady who bought it at auction for about uh, 20,000 or something. And it was wow. all boarded up, but she she hadn't actually gone to actually see the property. So when she went, it was all boarded up, but you're not even allowed to go inside. And you know, she just got so scared she couldn't even touch it, so she had to get rid of it. So I managed to get take it off her hands for about uh, uh, thirty thousand pounds. So that was uh, like a starting. But again, uh, we'll probably go through this. Uh, uh, wow. Um, it, it, which it, it turned out to be a no money down deal and that was another light bulb moment that there are actually strategies that you can do to actually increase or invest in property and build a portfolio yeah. without actually you know running out of money so a number of things but uh, mm. essentially the HMO space the key driver was uh, to actually achieve bigger results quicker because that was uh, yeah. uh, my, my plan at the moment. To I had a target in a, in a year to be able to replace my uh, income, which is quite ambitious but achievable. So yeah. you know, how did you get on with that plan? Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, interesting initially because obviously, like with everything, you you get through a number of challenges. But uh, when it's something that uh, you're passionate about and you're enjoying and you like, those challenges are quite enjoyable to go through because you're quite excited to go out there and seek the uh, solutions for them, you know. And uh, it's one of those which, uh, you know, I, I found myself coming to one of your courses, Jamie, as part of the personal development. But yeah, it was quite interesting. But I was, I was a... Uh, a very motivated uh, property investor, and that uh, that uh, meant a lot. It carried me quite a lot, you know. And it it is a right. big thing. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And mm. uh, you mentioned right beginning of this uh, chat that you're based in uh, Essex now. Yeah. And I obviously know where you invest, where we've invested. So why did you? Do you want to share with those watching, listening? Why did you pick the area that you have picked? Uh, the the area that we we picked uh, there were um, uh, like I said because initially when you, when you start uh, when you're picking your gold gold mine area there has to be a number of factors to consider so uh, at the very top of my strategy was that I wanted to invest in something that is uh, highly cash generating so if I was gonna get one HMO you know to generate let's say two thousand pounds. If you're looking at buy-to-lets, you can generate that amount of money on 10 buy-to-lets, for example. So yeah. say that, that could yeah. uh, take a lot of time. So uh, aside to that, this uh, HMO strategy 
would would when when you when you do your research on the areas, it has to match those areas. So the area that we invest in, for example, there is a, a university college, a, a university college hospital, which means there is a lot of demand for that kind of strategy. There is uh, two universities there, and there is a lot of uh, uh, companies like Jaguar Land Rovers who are employing people, and these people are looking for quick solutions as far as accommodation is concerned, something that yeah. is uh, contained on suite and they just pay one fee and it covers everything. So they don't want to be responsible for the bills and all of that. So um, that was the key driving factor because in the area where I live, it's mainly big family houses and a lot of yes. people who live here, they work in London. So the yeah. HMO space doesn't quite work here, you know. So, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I'm yeah. exactly, of course you can buy a house and convert it into an HMO, yeah. you know, irrespective of who your target market is. Yeah. But as you know, mm -hmm. um, because of the areas that we live in, it's very expensive. Yeah. Um, will you add value? Will you be able to get refinanced at a higher amount? Yeah. Will you, you know, you might be able to get a good year. Well, you might be able to get some yield. It's not going to be a good yield. <laughs> Uh, and it actually, yeah. it's probably easier and cheaper financially yeah. where you and I live to buy a single let versus an HMO. Absolutely. Especially if you're trying to try and refinance and pull out as much money as possible, which is just not going to happen where we live. Yeah, it? no, not at all, not at all. And that, that's, uh, you, you touched upon another point there as well in terms of... Uh, adding value and being able to extract that value so that you know you pull as much money of your investment as possible so you can go on to to do some more so you don't run out of money and uh, you know in areas where you know especially like london or here where we live germany it's very difficult to achieve that because the property prices are already very high you know yeah so um that was another big factor as well yeah Great stuff. Thank you, Alex. And, and how did you get started from a finance point of view? How did you fund your, your initial HMO purchases? Uh, in, initially, uh, it was um, uh, joint ventures because um, um, there is a such thing like, you know, as part of my actual property training, I did this sort of a SWOT analysis, which you would analyze what my strengths and my weaknesses are. Uh, so. One of my uh, weaknesses was obviously I didn't have much money to begin with at the time. But uh, the strength was that I had invested in my knowledge of the, of the property. So I could, I could put together a deal which would actually, and, and I had uh, assembled a power team. So I had the solicitors, I had brokers, uh, and uh, you know the, the builders and everything who would do that. And even the estate agents and sources. So I was very good at identifying the properties, essentially what we can do with them, how we can yeah. convert them into six beds and package all of that. So because yeah. that became my strength, yeah, I could joint venture up with someone whose strength was uh, the finances. And then uh, that right. way we, we come together and make it a 50-50 venture. So it's easier for them because they just put the funds and I run with the show with the power team and run the whole yeah. thing, the refinancing and all that. So that's how I got started with my with my first one. And uh, I had also okay. also having uh, done a couple of uh, buy-to-lets, when it came to the commercial financing, I could demonstrate that even though I didn't have a, an HMO, but I, I had invested in property. So that was a key uh, area as well of being able to get into the commercial space of HMOs and getting that uh, first one under the belt. Yeah. <laughs> That's great stuff. Thank you, Alex. And uh, 
one thing that often we get we get asked about, hmm. especially those who haven't done it before, is can you actually do a joint venture? Can you actually buy a property with somebody else's money? Does that really exist, or is that purely some I don't know some clickbait Facebook advertising you know fake thing that doesn't really exist? So you know you've done lots of these deals, yeah. as have I. It's all very well with me uh, saying that this is possible. Here's how you do it. Mm. So what was your experience of that? What, how did you find people to invest with you? And have you done multiple property deals with different people on a joint venture basis? Uh, yes, I have. I think the, the key area when you are doing joint ventures is uh, to make sure what value each party is bringing because that is yeah. that, that, that that is that is key you know because the part where you go out there you find the deals you put the power team together you do the refer with the project management and eventually the letting that is a big chunk which uh, you know there's the regulations involved in that there's a lot of stuff yeah. here so there's a lot of value being presented when you're standing on that side as someone who can offer someone with money that side of a mm. uh, joint venture and obviously someone who has the funds you know they they are making the whole deal happen so when yeah. you, you two come together then that's where the magic happens, you know, because yeah. each side is bringing value and, uh, uh, you know, it, it gets to, to be done that way. So, yeah, these joint ventures are happening all the, all the time. And especially because the key with the HMO space, which uh, uh, the uh, viewers will probably know, is when you're adding that value and then using commercial finance, you're able to extract it. Mm. That's that's where the, the value is as well. And... Uh, the, the the ones that uh, we, we we tend to structure that you put the funds in, the money comes out, and the investor gets the money uh, back, and then the yeah. whole thing has been done, and it's a fifty-fifty venture. So everyone is a winner. So yeah, yeah. they 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 are they are happening out there. They are happening. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. And and what's your experience when you have got a brand new joint venture partner on board? Mm -hmm. uh, you have use their finance or work with them to use their finance to go and buy a property yeah. to convert to an HMO mm -hmm. and then you pay them back. Yeah. You know, so you've got the benefit of another property. Yeah. They've got the benefit of getting an HMO and getting their cash back. Yeah. What do they typically do? Do they uh, take the money and say thank you and just yeah. share the rental income? Or is it more uh, typical that they want to reinvest with you to buy another property? Oh yeah, a lot of people they are looking to reinvest because obviously people are looking for um, to build a portfolio. You know, so to, to get as many uh, of, the, of these as they, they can. So either replace their income, as you know, being that their initial target, and just uh, build up our retirement income eventually. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's what people will, will, will typically do. Get the money out and then go again and again and again. So you don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the key is not running that out of that money. Yeah. yeah, I think this is the beauty, Alex, of what you've done, which is you've you've demonstrated uh, to many yeah. people, uh, and again, you and I do this together too, but yeah. you've demonstrated to many people that they've got half a house, half the net income after all the costs. Yeah. Why on earth wouldn't they go again? Because yes. you've proven yourself to it. They've got something tangible, including their cash back, mm. which is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. And they just keep going. 
this is how you build your your. I call, I don't know if you saw in the comments, but uh, <laughs> I sort of call you the the HMO Empire Builder. Yeah. This is surely how you you yeah. created this great HMO business behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it, it's essentially that you know uh, just. Uh, <laughs> Um, getting as many of these as, as as you can, as long as you don't run out of the cash. You know? Yes, so, that's the key. Yeah, that's all. That's, key. that's the key. Um, so here's something which is uh, which is interesting, and the question I want to ask you, which is um, about the availability of cash. Yeah. I mean, are there many people? I mean, prior to the situation we're in now, and I won't mention the C word, but yeah. prior to the situation we're in right now, yeah. uh, towards the end of last year, there was uncertainty in the market with all the Brexit. You know, um, negotiations and then the obviously general election. Mm-hmm. And then beginning of this year, there was an initial, um, some people call it the Boris uh, bounce, yeah. where the economy started picking up and shut up again. Have you found it, uh, or how have you found it, trying to raise finance after Christmas and before our current situation and in the run up to last year with, again, the Brexit uncertainty? Has that been a deterrent, or, or what's been your experience of that today? Uh, I, I think uh, the, the experience certainly in the area that we are investing now was that uh, the um, certainly uh, in the time around Brexit and all, there didn't seem to actually be uh, much much impact in terms of slowing down the uh, the demand for properties. I think uh, uh, people are looking to actually put money into property because a lot of people are beginning to realize that uh, you know property is the, the the way to go. Certainly from yeah. a long point, a uh, long term point of view in terms of the cash yeah. flow, but also capital growth over time because uh, it's not a, a like a, a get rich quick thing. It's a sort of long yeah. long term investment so yeah around brexit and before that time uh there there wasn't a, a, a slowdown which was expected you know but uh, uh we we noticed essentially in the commercial valuations the valuers were beginning or expressing some sort of caution around you know yeah. there could be an, a, a, a brexit impact once everything is yeah. is finalized but uh as we all know, once uh, Brexit happened, there was that little bit of, uh, you know, the the bojo lift in in values. Yeah, the the bojo bounce. Yeah, but uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think if if I can mention a little a little bit of the Im- impact which w- w- would have impacted investing a little bit is that uh, uh, as prices obviously were were being pushed up. And the, at the top end, the commercial valuers were not moving as quick, obviously being cautious of what would happen after Brexit. You are finding that uh, to some extent where you were able to pull all the money out on deals, you'll probably be left with a little bit, anything like, you know, 5, 10K or whatever, you know. So, yeah. but uh, even from a long-term investing, because by the time you pull all your money out, yeah, for an investor, that's an infinite yield, yeah? yeah. You know, if you're living in, you know, 5K or 10K on something that you're generating, 2K or whatever, that's a, you know, a, a, a lot of yield that you're getting yeah. from the properties so yeah. all those still make sense yeah uh, so the yeah. deal still makes sense and uh and now um with the 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 c word which we are not mentioning <laughs> <laughs> i'm your kids are listening yeah. something new. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh yeah obviously it, it almost uh, came as a shock to everyone mm. as well isn't it so uh i i actually uh, had um 
uh, one of the commercial valuers, I think they were doing uh, research because it caught them off guard as well. And when they were being asked for the valuations, they had to figure out um, wh what the impact will be because it's, it's so uncertain. How long is it going to last? And is the property market going to dip or what happens? So from a commercial point of view, they're rumbling. So they, they, uh, they, they put up a, a survey or basically asking us, uh, you know, for those of us who have got bigger portfolios, what the impact we had seen in terms of the rooms that we are letting out. Are we getting voids or people not paying and all of that so that they can feed that back into their valuations? Because I've got a, a mortgage update as well, can go through later on, you know. I had a yeah, before, yeah, before. But the thing is how they came to you yeah. and people like you to... to almost like um, gather some opinions yeah. uh, to then inform our opinion about yeah. what the market was what doing. What the market is doing, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, but uh, aside to the fact that obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people um, don't know or even the, the companies, the mortgage lenders don't know what is what is going to happen. But the, 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 the essentially the thinking and the uh, mood is that uh, things are going to return back to normal. And from uh, uh, the banks and the lenders' point of view, they, there's a lot of money there and they are looking to lend. Obviously, they're expressing a little bit of caution, but the money is there. And as soon as this uh, uh, is all over, they want to get back in there and, and, and keep things moving. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. What are, we, what are we thinking to that a bit deeper now? Because this mm. is like the million dollar question, which is what's going to happen in the property market? Mm. Now, none of us, of course, can afford, you know, we haven't got a crystal ball here. Yeah. But um, we had someone you probably know, actually. We had Mark Champ, who works for, well, he owns a company called Wharf Financial, mm. who is a broker. Yeah. He comes to our property networking event in London every month. Hmm. And he used to work at Shawbrook, for example, oh, right. and okay. RBS and a few others. And he was basically on uh, one of the uh, HMO uh, Bytes episodes this week that I gave him an interview a couple of days ago. Yeah. Uh, and he was, uh, again, trying to gather opinion. Yeah. And he was saying that, actually, from J.P. Morgan, ironically, yeah. uh, <laughs> you and I know what that means, but from J.P. Morgan's point of view, they were doing a, or they have released a, a document, a research paper, yeah. estimating that, in their opinion, uh -huh. the property price in the UK currently mm -hmm. will dip by about 5.1% yeah. uh, immediately. Mm -hmm. But in Q4 this year, i.e. October to December, mm -hmm. that will then bounce right back to 5.6%. Yeah. So we'll see an increase in property prices, according to, to their analysis, yeah. um, inside of Christmas, which I thought was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. what, what, what do you think of that or what have you heard about that? Uh, yes, that's uh, that's uh, pretty much uh, the sentiment flo uh, floating around in a lot of uh, uh, quarters at the moment. Uh, I mean, if, uh, if you look at the likes of Shawbrook, actually, they are being uh, a bit pragmatic with, with the way uh, uh, they, are, they are doing things at the moment. So for them, it's almost uh, pretty much uh, uh, BAU, business as usual, from a lending point of view. There are lenders, obviously, who are being a bit cautious. So what you're seeing generally, I mean, for the likes of uh, Interbay, for example, they are essentially stopping a new business uh, just to see this through, uh, see, what, see what happens. Um, but uh, depending on uh, how long it goes, there have been some knee-jerk reactions. 
and uh, at the areas where you're seeing the most is um, lenders are st restricting their LTV, so your loan to value, so coming to the likes of 65% or 60%. Uh, and uh, obviously now as well, because the valuers can't actually go out there physically to see the properties, there's a lot of uh, desktop valuations happening, yeah? Uh, and uh, within the single-edge space, obviously, that is uh, uh, quite uh, easy to conduct for the values. But when it comes to commercial lending, what uh, the likes of Shawbrook are doing is uh, they can agree the funding for you, but uh, before the drawdown actually happens, they will require that the valuers actually go and visit the, 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 the properties. So they're trying to uh, make it BAU, uh, you know like that but um yeah that that's essentially the space and there there is also um the the feeling that even the government is actually uh, uh realizing how important the the, the housing uh, market and our housing space is because there was talk actually that when uh, uh the lockdown starts to be uh, to be released you know estate agents will be probably one of the the, the first uh, batch of uh, businesses to be let out there to, to to come back and start operating so obviously on the back of that you know the agents obviously the valuers have to be let out to, to go and, uh, and and have a look as well uh, yeah. at the property so yeah the the, the the sentiment definitely now is like uh, uh, the banks are just waiting the money is there because there is a lot yeah. of uh, money there they are willing to lend and they want to give it out there um, so and for the investors, also, there's a lot of uh, uh, people expecting for this to die down so they can pounce, you know. Yeah. And that is what is feeding into, uh, like, the JP Morgan uh, impact that obviously in the short term, uh, people, in terms of putting out their properties for, for sale, uh, you know, it, it will have to, to filter through uh, yet. But that, as the demand pounces, and as the lenders pumping their money, that's when you see that bounce of prices actually going up eventually. So that that is definitely the sentiment and the mood in the in the current environment and in the market. Yeah, <clears throat> it's fascinating yeah. because it's we're obviously in an awful situation at the moment for oh, yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, lots of people struggling out there. Uh, lots of people putting their lives on the line to help and get people better, of course, yeah. and all of them are doing various things to try and uh, stop the spread any further or exacerbate the situation that we're all currently in. Mm -hmm. However, we're not hearing, or we... I don't want to get uh, on my soapbox mm -hmm. here, but we don't hear that many positive stories. Yeah. And yet there are positive stories that, you know, anecdotally we're seeing, certainly on social media actually in some instances, that aren't necessarily covered by mainstream news. Mm. And some of the things that could be a benefit going forward, mm -hmm. or some of these green shoots of, not recovery, that's the wrong word, but yeah. opportunities to do better, work more closely together, mm. and put us through this awful situation. Mm. Um, it, it's just, you know, you don't really hear many stories like that, or, or it's not getting much coverage. Mm. So what you're saying there, I think, is really insightful yeah. and very encouraging. Mm. Now, of course, it might happen or it might not, but you've got some very savvy yeah. uh, people across the industry, both from a UK point of view and you know, bigger finance yeah. lending organisations yes. and all the peripheral, all the bodies that go around that, mm. who are really being quite bullish for those things. I think that is, yeah. is very hard 
from a property investing point of view. Yeah, it, it, it is because uh, it, it's uh, it's it's almost uh, giving credit to the to the fundamentals that the fundamentals at the moment are still solid. You know, even though there's been this shock. So the expectation yeah. is that uh, we'll come out of this. But uh, again. It also depended on how long it goes because you know the, the the longer it goes, you know, things seem to be changing on a daily basis as well. Exactly. So you know, it it, it could go that way. But uh, I, th- I think the expectation is that uh, uh, you know things will, will start to get to grips quite quickly. I mean, there's been uh, uh, without being too optimistic, but there's uh, trials of uh, the the. Um, vaccine happening on humans and all sorts so there's that going on and um, yeah and uh, generally people are you know being cautious uh, I was speaking to um, uh, one of the guys with my, my brokers and he mentioned how uh, in a few weeks ago when this started when he because he still had to drive to work and there was like very few people on the roads but like today there are a little bit more people <laughs> getting okay. on the roads because other people are, are you know having enough of it or they just want to get you know get back into the the, the swing of things but uh, yeah. probably the weather is playing a bit of an impact as well yeah. uh but uh, yeah, but yeah yeah but the, the sentiment is definitely that uh, you know we'll come out of this and things will will get back to normal you know mm. yeah. okay that's great. Um, I want to, you, you mentioned the word fundamental uh, or fundamentals there. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to, to ask you a bit about that. So you 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 have been a single let landlord, as have I. Like you, I I bought nine single lets before I really thought about crazily, but before I really pivoted and thought about HMOs yeah. to maximise the income stream. And I was the classic person that you mentioned, yeah. getting a couple hundred pounds you know, net income from each single let, yeah. and it yeah. locked those to replace my corporate income. But that, that's another story. Yeah. But um, fundamentally, what, what, from a risk point of view, mm-hmm. um, how do you view HMOs in the current situation? And even if there's a a property downturn for as long as it lasts. It mm-hmm. might be a few weeks, it might be longer, who knows. Yeah. But from a fundamental point of view, how do you see HMOs in that scenario mm. versus single let? Do you mind just sharing that with our, our uh, viewers, please? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I always look at this from a, <clears throat> a demand point of view because what's driving the demand for HMO at the moment? You've got a uh, depending on the locations where you're investing, you've got a, a lot of students, you know, people when they, they come out of uni, they want to, to start work, they want to be independent, live, live on their own. But uh, currently, with the property prices and everything else, they are not able to actually, you know, chuck out that big deposits to, to start living, uh, you know, buy a place of their own or, or, or uh, rent a, a place of their own. So those people are looking for something that is easy, convenient, and they can budget on it, you know. So that that is what what is driving the demand for, for HMOs, you know. And uh, if you can provide accommodation that is decent and or from a budgeting point of view, they are just paying one fixed amount. They don't want yeah. to get involved into all these bills of, uh, you know, your broadband, your council tax, your bills, and all of those kind of things. They just want an easy, quick life. So there's yeah. a lot of demand for that, and there's a lot of youngsters and young professionals 
in that space and uh, uh, certain uh, obviously Goldman areas are a lot more than others and uh, uh, with um, uh, companies as well I mean now obviously with what's happening some companies are looking to lay off people but eventually productivity has to return and these these companies they have to employ those people and uh, if uh, things are squeezed in terms of wages and things as well that will even uh, drive the demand for HMOs even further because it makes it difficult for people to go out there and actually rent uh, houses of their of themselves and uh, be responsible for the uh, the energy or the cancer tax and all that. Yeah. So that that is going to to, to push demand even further as well. So uh, I I am quite positive about the demand for for HMOs out there. I think it's yeah. uh, it's uh, you know because demand for housing is always going up. I mean the UK obviously mm. being an island, you're limited for space and uh, the population is yeah. just growing and growing uh so um yeah i i think it's it's uh, it's it, it's a good space and uh, obviously there are specifics that you can do to to remain competitive as other investors come in as well and this yes. is this is uh, why you know for investors like myself would come to to would come to specialists like yourselves to learn the nitty gritties of how you actually stay ahead of the competition and how you can offer great quality, you know, HMO rooms uh, to, to stay ahead as well. But as far I, as... I, I, yeah, that was an amazing uh, plug, <laughs> thank you so much. But uh, I, I didn't, can just, for, again, for transparency's sake, mm. I haven't paid you prior to this, have no, I? No, 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 not at all. But, but I mean, it, it's testament. You as well, because your, 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 uh, what you offer yeah. and your knowledge, of course, and yeah. your experience great too. But mm. we'll come on to that later, but thank you anyway. Yeah, I just want to uh, jump in as well, because you've had a question. And, and by the way, guys, thank you for those watching and listening to this episode mm -hmm. uh, for your questions. If you have any questions for Alex mm -hmm. about what we've covered so far or yeah. about anything you'd like us to cover in the next 15 minutes or so, please put yeah. it in the chat box. Mm -hmm. But we've had a, just, I'm just going to say a few uh, highs and thank yous and then come yeah. to a question. Okay. Hi, Ashley, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, who else got here? Uh, Raj Mahan, thank you for joining us too. That's cool. Lots of people joining us. Uh, someone just saying very interesting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So here's the question. Yeah. And it comes back to what you just said, Alex, uh, mm -hmm. about quality. Yeah. So uh, Raj Mahan said um, he's been told that, um, ironically, where, where we have houses, mm -hmm. he's been looking at Coventry and other areas as an investment opportunity. Uh -huh. But he's been told that more supply mm -hmm. than demand for renting rooms. Uh -huh. So you mentioned quality just then and customer service. So yeah. do you want to just... Um, Elaborate a bit much, a bit more, please, about what difference that makes in a perceived market which is busy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's two parts to that. I think in that uh, area in Coventry, uh, I think you probably are aware there was a, a lot of these uh, big high-rise student uh, accommodation which uh, uh, you know yeah. came up in the in the in the in the last year or so. And uh, what has what that has done is uh, pushed some of the landlords out there into the other professional pro professional space. But uh, um, some of, some of that which has come up is actually quite expensive for people. So uh, some uh, uh, essentially HMO landlords have uh, come in to compete on the price as a result because everything seems to 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 have been flooded. But uh, uh, for those. 
<clears throat> who are offering like top quality uh, product uh, in terms of being on suites and uh, the, the, the service, uh, you know, your broadband provision, your cleaning service and all of that. That's where the, uh, the differentiation is. And within that space, you know, there is a really good demand to get top quality clients who will, who will stay yeah. and they pay good money for it as well. Because a lot of the stuff that uh, people are offering and flooding the market with will be just uh, uh, rooms which are maybe cheap and quick. They've just got the bed and the mattress and all of that and also sharing bathrooms and all of that. And where that is being marketed yeah. as, uh, uh, you know, cheap rooms for, for so and so. If you can, uh, um, you know, concentrate on the quality and you know, have your uh, good quality rooms, you know, put out there and what you're offering, there are people who are coming and looking for the, for those and really taking those rooms. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's all about the quality and the service and all the additional things that you're offering and people are able and willing to pay for that extra value. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Thank you for, for sharing that, Alex. That's your sort of personal experiences. I can also um, obviously concur with that. That's one of the key things that we, Steve and I, obviously, and you, obviously, together, uh, and Matt's now, who does the podcast with us too. Matt's did, yeah. has a rent rent HMO portfolio in North London. And again, all of us, all we're trying to do, and I see this with, you know, all across the UK and further afield, where if you can provide rooms which just a bit better than everyone else, yeah. and let's face it, your stand is pretty poor, as Alex, you just mentioned, mm. and that's what you're competing with. Yeah. And you can tier above all that or add on top of that some better customer service to look yeah. after people. Yeah. They're going to pay you a bit more. Yeah. They're going to stay with you longer, and that gives you certainty of income. So yeah. even if, and I hear this a lot, isn't it saturated? Isn't the yeah. market saturated all across the UK for HMO properties and rooms? Mm. Um, it might well be or appear to be saturated. Yeah. But if you're comparing with the average quality, the average prices and the average rooms, yeah, yeah it's going to be different to fill your rooms. Yeah. But as Alex just said, mm. if you can go just a bit more, a bit better, um, slightly higher quality, uh, better look and feel, nicer designs, and make it rooms that people genuinely want to live in, yeah. um, then you know, that's how you stand out. Yeah. So, Definitely. Uh, thanks for the question, Alex. Thank you for that too. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so a few more questions. Um, uh, hi, Alex. Uh, Alex, uh, this is hi, Alex. Uh, Alex been, has been on this podcast um, or these episodes pretty much every day uh, since yeah. the first uh, weeks. So thank you, Alex, for joining us. And here's his question. And I'm going to direct this to you, uh, Alex, if I may. Uh, so Alex died to Alex Zabala. Yeah. So Alex's question is if three. If three friends together find a house, mm -hmm. sign a normal AST or tenancy agreement, is that an HMO or not? Question mark or a cheeky kind of HMO? Question mark. So, do you mind just uh, sharing your thoughts on that, please, Alex Sabala, <laughs> for Alex Dyer? <laughs> okay, so uh, three signing uh, together um, um, an AST. Uh, is is this? Uh, I take it renting. So. If, if they are renting from a, a, a private uh, landlord and uh, it's three of them, um, essentially the, the current definition is three or more people living in that space, but you're signing one, one agreement. If they are not family, yeah. uh, essentially that uh, is going to be classified as an uh, HMO. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yes, that, that would qualify as, a, as an HMO. But... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I look at this from, um, in terms of uh, 
the the provision because you, you you've got two parts you've got the the people who are living in there as tenants and also you've got uh, from a, a a landlord point of view who is providing that provision so obviously if it falls into that category of uh, being an hmo there's certain things that have to be provided for so in terms of all your like you know the fire alarm the the fire doors and everything else that comes with being an hmo has to be in place but uh, even uh, on uh, properties that are, are buy to let uh, i i think for me i see it, it it's essentially a good practice as well to sort of uh, pick them up and and provide these uh, sort of services as if they were you know top end or, or hmos because at the end of the day it's all about safety and presenting your your Provided yeah. as being, um, you know, of, of that particular high caliber. So yeah, to answer the question, yeah, it would fall into uh, HMO. You know, even though trying to be cheeky by <laughs> doing certain things, but essentially when it comes to it, and uh, it will be HMO, and it will eventually need to be uh, licensed as well uh, with the current regulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, uh, Alex Sabala, for yeah. Alex Dyer. Um, Alex Sabala, so I'm going to have to keep calling you now with your name as well. Um, the, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you know, Steve and I have got our rent-to-rent HMO portfolio in Bedford, and we're now expanding that to Northampton and other areas too. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Bedford, as an example, every single rental property needs a license. Mm-hmm. Everything, whether it's a one-bedroom flat or a three-bedroom house rented out to a family, for example, yeah. it needs licensing. Yeah. And it comes back to your Alex, which mm-hmm. is about looking after people, providing certain quality standards, mm-hmm. in particular about things like fire safety, which is why I personally believe, and I'm seeing this a bit, but it's not universal yet, mm-hmm. I personally believe that all rental accommodation Mm-hmm. Irrespective of the type of property or the property strategy that you're following, yeah. will be licensed. That's gut feel. Yeah. Uh, am I right? Am I right or wrong? I don't know, but that's my gut feel. That's how I think yeah. things will be going. Anyway. So, Alex, what about? Um, could you just share uh, just a couple of uh, tips or highlights about what uh, you and your power team on the ground were doing in this lockdown situation mm-hmm. to try and protect your business, but also protect the people who are renting out your HMO rooms. Anything you can share that, uh, that, that the uh, users, or the watchers, the viewers rather, and the listeners <laughs> of this episode can benefit from um, Yeah, so um, obviously uh, when, when all this started, one of the, the challenges were that with the lockdown, uh, it was uh, difficult. We are not able to provide some of the the, the services that we would normally provide in a, in an HMO. For example, the the cleaners would not uh, uh, go into the the properties to do the clean and all that. But the tenants were at home. So one of the creative things on the back of that that we would do again, also in the spirit of supporting some of the tenants living in there was, uh, you know, we would um, offer uh, some of them, if they wanted to, to take over a bit of the services in the house while they are living in there. So, you know, we would offer okay. someone so much uh, an hour to actually clean the house. So, yeah, you know, in, in a specific way that we, we, we usually do. Uh, because they are at home anyway. I mean, it's their space that they need to clean anyway, but you give them a little bit of that incentive and they'll send us pictures and things um, and would support them in terms of uh, all the 
the current things they would need with the in terms of the um the sanitizers the hand washes and all of that things that they would need because they need to stay safe and protect themselves as well so that that was quite key so um that uh, proved to be uh, because you wanted to maintain the service so that you know things don't mm. run down as well and would encourage them to report any issues that they they find are, are happening in there as well and uh, the the other piece as well from a business point of view uh, was that uh, we enhanced our i mean for when we put the the uh, the rooms out there you know we we record uh videos and photos and all that which we could we could we could put up yeah so we could use now a lot more of those for for people who are looking for for for, for rooms for eventually when this settles down so we can give them a, a you know a, a virtual or tour of, of of the places online so we enhanced on that as well so they can actually look at the space and decide uh, uh you know eventually to, to when they want to come and have a look you know so that that that, that proved quite uh, uh, quite popular as well in terms of people looking at that and reserving rooms and uh, uh, making sure we, uh, we we keep going. But uh, another uh, key challenge, obviously, which uh, most people would have faced as well, was around uh, uh, the rent and people not being able to pay uh, the rent. Which uh, yeah. our our expectation initially was that the, the, there was going to be a big impact of people actually not paying or you know asking for holidays and all of that but uh in reality it's actually been uh, uh, a lot less than we expected uh, there are people who have asked for that but uh, uh we've just taken that uh in, in terms of you know practically because you know everyone has to do their bit obviously we are in hard times and uh, you know a lot of these people who are asking for that they are not bad tenants they are people who have been paying before but uh, we've, we've tended to sort of formalize it uh, in in a way that uh, we actually get a plan with them in writing so that everything is quite clear what the plan is if they are taking a holiday for three months what is it that they will be able to afford on top of the normal rent when all of this go uh uh, goes and and we're back to normal so that uh, uh, has has, uh, has has worked as well to to work with people like that and and general people have uh, you know being compassionate and understanding people communicating and uh, you know making sure everyone is safe and uh, you know uh, you know going through these hard times um, has, has, has been quite good so so that those are some of the practical things that we've, uh, we've, we've, we've been doing to, to help people, you know, and yeah. Great, okay. Alex, thank you for sharing. Mm. And uh, I think the key themes there I really like, and we've been talking about this over the last three or four weeks on these bite-sized episodes on the HMA Experience podcast, is communication, yeah. looking after people, mm. you know, having understanding, having a bit of compassion, and if they need uh, financially yeah. to, as you've done, yeah. uh, to have a payment holiday or whatever it might be, some way of yeah. uh, of making it easier financially for them in this uncertain period. Yeah. If they haven't got to eighty percent of their salaries covered for whatever reason, yeah. then it's agreeing what you're going to be doing up front, writing it down, creating a payment plan that they're happy with that you're happy with. Yeah. So it just. Yeah, it's a bit of give and take, isn't it? This it situation, is. which I think is, it is. Uh, in the right way of doing it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Alex, we're coming towards the end of our uh, chat. It's, you've been brilliant. You've shared lots of information and tips and advice. It's been great to, mm-hmm. to 
year and started and, and how you scaled your business accordingly. Um, what was the plan for you going forward, if you don't mind us asking here? What were you happy to share what you're looking to do in the next year, two, three years in terms of a property point of view? Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> so the, the plan is uh, twofold, I would say. So uh, first is just uh, consolidating what we have now. So the provision for those people who are looking to uh, build uh, property portfolios uh, and they're just looking for an established system that is already there to sort of piggyback on either through a joint venture or, or or any other sort of plan that we can put together. And also there are actually people who, um, you know, there'll be people who just want that as a hands-free property investing. So they just put the money and, you know, they go on and do whatever it is that they're doing. But obviously, you know, we do the hard work for them and they get the returns. Uh, but there's also people who are actually looking to actually learn in the process so they, they will join venture with us but actually be actively involved so they will come and have a look at the refurbs have a look at the uh, the architectural plans have a look at uh, uh, the the financing uh, process so that eventually they'll probably learn from us and then get to do the same or establish something on their own as well so we've got that provision as well because obviously we've got uh, the full front uh, front to end process of uh, sourcing the refurb and we've got the letting agents as well which does the letting and people can pick back on any one of those to help them on a property yeah. journey uh, but uh, for us as well in terms of going forward uh, as a sort of natural progression we'll be looking at some other uh, value add strategies which uh, uh, in the in the same theme of uh, uh, having a property um, and then adding value and extracting that value because HMO is a great way of doing that through the uh, commercial evaluation process. But you can also do that around uh, some uh, um, like title splits, for example, or, or I think you've, you've seen one of ours, Jim, where we, we bought a, a big house and applied for planning and make it two flats, you know, which essentially yeah, the sum of those two uh, is still uh, high enough to be able for you to, to, uh, uh, to pull all the money out uh, from that. But obviously the difference with HMOs in this is that uh, obviously the, 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 the cash flows are lower, but obviously there isn't uh, that uh, uh, very active management from a point of view of mm. dealing with tenants. So that's uh, another thing. And another side as well on that is uh, identifying because we've become very good at the sourcing side as well. So identifying sites where we can add value, uh, where again, you've seen one where we bought a, a corner plot with one house and we could actually apply for planning to build another house next door to it you know again you add value and then you can extract that as well so we are bringing in uh, a bit a bit more uh, other add on uh, add value strategies which still investors can pull money out of uh, which uh, when you combine with HMO you're sort of uh, diversifying your uh, uh, property investing journey and property portfolio in that in that way so it does this diversification is the, is the next stage. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank yeah. you, Alex. That's amazing. Yeah. And obviously there'll be a lot of people who are watching this, yeah. uh, but also watching back the recorded version of this. Yeah. Uh, how can they get in contact with you? 
Uh, yeah, they can uh, find us uh, on Facebook. I mean, Alex Zapala on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page, and there's also alexzapala.com. Um, I also uh, run a podcast, which is the Business, Wealth, and Mindset podcast. So uh, there's uh, uh, it's just started, but uh, you know, going forward, if you subscribe to that, you can get in touch with us, uh, and uh, uh, you know, we can uh, share ideas and share knowledge. And also, yeah, like like um, you do, Jamie. Even you know, if people get in touch with you, Jamie, uh, you know those uh, uh, research days or days that uh, you know, for depending on what people are looking to get out of this, they can you know come and have a look at what we are doing, and then uh, you know learn from that and and see what they can do, or how we can help them, and how they can help us as well, because we are all in a, a learning journey, and uh, you know, learning never stops, and depending it doesn't exactly. matter what you do you can always learn something from anyone yeah <laughs> I, I, that's brilliant i've just actually put a, a note uh, out on uh via facebook to say they can get in contact with you at alexapala.com yeah and can I double check your podcast is called the business work and mindset podcast. uh yeah business wealth so building wealth yeah wealth, yeah Business, Wealth, and Mindset podcast. Okay, yeah. I will correct that for you, <laughs> yeah, so I'll get that out there to everyone as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. Good. Wonderful. Thank you, Alex. Well, I think our time is pretty much up. Yeah. Uh, we've had lots of watching this and joining us. Thank you, everybody that's asked questions yeah. and given us a thumbs up or a like in the comments as well. Mm -hmm. uh, again, those of you watching back, uh, on listening to this episode again we're going to put it in the uh, notes here how you can get in contact with Alex and find out more um, it, it's been a, Alex we're, we're friends but uh, I'd say it's been a pleasure as ever I always enjoy speaking to you um, you've got some great insight a great track record and experience and it's a pleasure working with you and it's also a pleasure having you guest on to this so uh, thank you Alex keep safe and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend yeah thank you very much Jamie a pleasure always learning from you as well so uh, good to catch up today so we'll speak soon cool. I'm sure yeah. excellent all right. goodbye my friend all right, thanks. thanks everyone for watching thanks Jamie